0: Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on And let's get on with this week's episode. Well, yes, we're we're recording. Do you you know what uh, my good wife has decided to do? She has decided to take us back in time and she has purchased, I have to pick it up later from, you know, it's a Facebook marketplace, um, a uh, Nintendo Wii. Oh my word. It's because uh, we won't, we're not paying that much money for a Switch. And the, uh, but we will pay money for a secondhand Wii.
1: Um, so we're doing that. that to- talking of going retro, I've just helped some friends of mine build a um, retro um, Raspberry Pi based arcade machine. A raspberry so okay so ra- I- Ras- raspberry pi is a type of computer a little computer that you can get that's like it's almost credit card sized and but it's a bit techy bit geeky because you have to there's a lot of effort to make it running um but we've we've built something called a picade um a nice. small small arcade machine with loads of emulators on it and um, nice we're, we're i mean we're, we're back to the days of original sonic and Wrestlefest oh, yeah. and um double dragon and things like that like the proper and it, er, early sega and early arcade machines and those kind of things so i think yeah re- retro gaming it's uh it's where it's at right now definitely Can, is we is we retro i think it is now because
0: i think they stopped making them in 2017 so that, I was gonna that's say, i mean
1: but they, they launched they launched early 2000s didn't they 2009 because
0: i remember uh it was just as me and Ames were just before we got married and we were you know it was when you know we were engaged and we were looking like what's the thing you know you know setting up our house what do we want we're like microsoft microsoft uh nintendo wii that's what we want we don't want a microsoft Wii. that wouldn't be that wouldn't work a Nintendo Wii. But the problem was that back in those days is you couldn't actually buy them because they deliberately shortened the de- the supply to, to up the demand. Very clever strategy, um, but also very infuriating because you had to go to the shop and see if it was still there. It was a bit like Rattan furniture is today. So um, the, uh, the, my, uh, the, the Nintendo Wii of, of old is the Rattan furniture of today. It's just how, how life changes.
1: Yeah, I think it's the... It's that those things. I mean, we we digress enormously, but I'm going to go back. It's the things my kids ask for now. Like we're 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 getting towards those (coughs) online things. You know, (coughs) heading towards they're getting to an age where Minecraft is a thing, but now there's other stuff that I don't know about that's making me feel old because I'm going. I don't know about these latest gaming and online things or what to do with them. I was like, I now have a learning curve um, uh, also to do. But it, it's, yeah, also, don't get sucked into games, Lee. Make sure that you focus and deliver your work that you're supposed to deliver. That's where we need to be at.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, on on that, let's let's get on to uh, the topic for the day.
1: Yeah. Is it, and is it an obstacle to my work delivery, Chris? Uh,
0: indeed, a great segue indeed, Lee. And uh, yes, today <coughs> we're going to be talking about uh common obstacles that we see churches facing uh, to seeing the change and the vision that they feel god's put on their church seeing that completed and seeing them get you know it's that gap between where they are and where they want to be there are obstacles in the way and we've come up with three obstacles each uh so i think this is gonna be a lot of fun today uh and i think will be interesting and i think if you're listening you probably will resonate with some of these. Maybe all of these. Um, I have definitely come across all of these at some point. Uh so Lee, why don't you
1: kick us off with the the first one? Me kicking it off, right. Um let me let me pull back up my my list. So obstacle number one um to getting things done uh is I'm gonna call the accountability trap. Okay. okay. Um that is um saying you're gonna do something with no systems, processes, accountability, or anything in place to hold you to account to actually doing it.
0: So essentially like wishful thinking, basically. <laughs>
1: essentially, <clears throat> yeah. But it, it is that it's that element of you you all sit around and you come up with what you want to do and, and, and kind of like nothing because nobody's saying oh what or actually sometimes the lack of challenge someone's go where's his hat yes. So you know yeah, yeah. It, it's so senior in your organization but nobody dares challenge why it's not moving forward or progressing right okay yeah you need you definitely need the black hats in the
0: room that are going to yeah i mean
1: that that sounds i mean saying that you need black hats in the room sounds a lot like some kind of like crack navy seal team are going to you know hold you until you complete the task at hand um you may need to expand on that ever so slightly oh yeah Sorry, I'm, I'm assuming yes. you're thinking about the is it the six thinking hats yes edward de
0: bono's six thinking hats uh so he came up he had six hats i don't know if they, he, they were just the only hats that he owned he just happened to have six hats with different colours. I'm hoping that's the case. But he suggested that there were really sort of six different perspectives that you could have. Uh, And they had all different colours and they represented different things. So there was, you know, the optimist view. There was the kind of facilitator judging view. There was the... um, I'm trying to think of other ones. There's the emotional view. There was... so I think that was the red hat. There was the... Uh, there's different hats, but the black hat was the one who was there to think about all the reasons why this wouldn't work. And the idea was that it wasn't that you just get some negative people on your team; um, it's that you deliberately you put this, like you put the hat on, and you deliberately go right. Let's see if we can attack this as best as possible. And I think actually, when you're coming up with any idea, you need to do that I might I'm aware of some you know some you you hear some famous you know public speakers uh you know you hear might hear them on YouTube and and what they say is when they're coming up with a case you know if they're debating what they do is they spend all the time they they have their points but they spend a lot of time thinking through all of the rebuttals to the argument what about this what about this what about this what about yeah. this what about this and then they what they do is they create their case almost like a um A a lawyer or a you know an attorney or what's the English version barrister a barrister would they 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 think of all the rebuttals to those arguments so they're well prepped all the way through and but essentially that thinking of the what are all the downsides to this what are all the weak points to this is is a really important step Uh, that's what we mean by black hatting
1: yeah yeah and and kind of yeah picking up on that is the yeah, you know, the, the, the roles to play, but sometimes what you might be missing on a team. If you've got a problem with executing, I think it's going to come down to a lot of these things that we're going to talk about. And that one around accountability um, for definite. But also, you just picked up on one. There's an exercise, and I love this exercise. People that you do this exercise with don't necessarily like it as much at the beginning. But it is that laying out all of the counter arguments. And that it's um, when I run a, what I call a pre-mortem workshop, or not what yeah. I call, it's called a pre-mortem workshop. They're available. All sorts of people do them. It's a great technique. But that idea of running a pre-mortem as to all the ways in which this might go wrong or fail, and then countering those at the beginning, so you put measures and controls in place to ensure that that doesn't happen. Um, it's, it is honestly a winner. Um, because it's, it's amazing how quickly you can come to things that will sink what was a, initially a good idea. But it doesn't mean then that you can't proceed. It just means that there's more things you need to counter. Um, and I think that feeds in that, you know, if you've got no accountability for what you're about to do, you you just embark and you don't yeah. challenge. Um, and I think that's necessary. So, my yeah, my one um, obstacle to success is lack of accountability, the accountability trap um not wanting to be challenged not wanting to do some of that hard work and not having people allowed to even ask you how you're getting on with it um that that prevents you moving to success definitely and i think
0: this you know i think churches can fall foul of this you know we want to be in churches we, we want to be honoring of our leaders and all those kind of things but what that can do is it can breed a culture where you can't push back against any idea you know that i think that's happened in church world quite a lot where we've seen you know an honoring culture and i think honoring is is a great thing i think it's odd when a pastor mandates honor that's feels like that's a
1: a bit weird honor is honor is it's two way it's not one direction and i think that's the thing like you know like oh if you challenge me you're not honoring my position it's like no i'm challenging you because i respect what's at stake and I think we we make it we make it based on the person rather than what we're trying to achieve. Well, there's um, but we also yeah. I mean, if we talk about honor culture, like you get a lot of that in um, kind of like the east Eastern areas of the world as as more an, an honor approach. I th- I think we've just twisted it a bit in how it's outworked, and it's actually respect the ego rather than honor.
0: Well, and and the interesting thing is the the best way to honor someone is to speak truthfully to them, you know, as it would say in the New Testament, speaking the truth in in love, which is often, you know, well, well used to say, I love you, but, (laughs) Um, but what it means is if you, if you honor that person enough, you're going to tell them when you think that this idea, there's a big hole in this idea because of this. That's that is honour. That is a for, that is definitely a form of honour. Obviously, there's yeah. honourable ways to say that, and I think that's often you know I think that's often the case that you know whenever you've got something if you see something um, that's not working.
1: Um, or- I'm, I'm just thinking back. So for those listening, um, Chris and I were running a, a workshop the other other evening, and um, I think Chris had a wry smile there about the sort of like I love you, but when I. I with permission, I will add, there was permission, but I cut across Chris to say, um, yeah, that's really good, Chris, but, um, which, which is which is bad behaviour. I did apologise. It's not what we were trying to get at in, in the context of the workshop at all, but it gave everybody a good laugh because it was um, one of those, it's like, look, with all due respect means there is no respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so true. Um, um, and I think you know, there's lots of those kind of conversations. Uh, so maybe watch out for that if you're challenging somebody who's doing something. You know, if you if you begin the sentence with "with all due respect," and um, you're about to probably embark on a uh, on, on 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 something that has maybe got little respect in it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's why Chris had a wry smile when he said that. Um, the, the but, um, and uh, yeah. So I and um, I'm probably never going to be allowed to forget it. Uh it, it wasn't the spirit in with which it was said. This was fine. doing an excellent job. It was an and. It was like it should have been an and. There should have been more improv to what we were doing rather than stalling it in its tracks.
0: Well, Lee, you know that I forgive you. So it's it's absolutely fine. Uh no problem. Okay, let's go on to uh the second one, which is um it's what I'm so y- you had uh you've got three traps and I've got three walls. Uh, altogether they are obstacles. So my first wall is the idea wall. And what I mean by that is uh, where you can see your church going is that you've got these great things in place. and But to get to that point, you've got to generate some ideas to get there. And you get your team in the room and you go, let's think of some ideas. And you spend an a, a determined amount of time trying to think of those ideas and you get to the end of it and you go nope it's not there we haven't thought of the idea now the problem is this is the trap is you hit this wall and this is actually what we were helping a church the other day and they they hit the wall and they looked at the ideas they had and said it's not there and the the problem that you get is is that you're only as good as the sum sum total of the ideas that you have because you need enable enable to, to you know whatever whatever you're trying to think of is a discipleship pathway, a mission statement, values, uh, any strategy you're trying to put in place. You've, there's there's a point where you've got to generate ideas, and if you can't think of good ideas, you you, you can only work with what you've got. Yeah, and oftentimes the the gap is, and is this this kind of cognitive dissonance takes place in that. We, In our mind, we can think of this great statement, phrase, you know, maybe it's a vision statement or it's a whatever that is. And we can, in our mind, we know what it will be when we get there. But the reality is that the ideas that we generate here aren't cutting it to there. But the problem is that's all we've got to work with. And what you could do is you could spend an inordinate amount of time trying to think of more ideas. But in reality, usually the time that you've been given to think of through ideas is the time you need. Uh, We've actually, I found this with my own church that we've, what we've realized is that it doesn't matter how long we put on the ideas. We could put, we could put half an hour thinking through ideas where we just generate idea after idea, after idea, writing them down, writing them down, and, you know, narrowing them down later, we've actually got that down to, in some cases, because of time, we had to do it in five minutes. And we found we were just as creative in that five minutes as we were in the half an hour. So the time is often not the problem. It, in fact, the time is actually a really good thing. You just need to set a time and stick to it and realize that in that time, your best ideas will come out. You might be able to tweak yeah. that later. It might. It might you know you might generate a further thought later that might come but in reality the best ideas that you've got and they just create you you've got them there it's the people that you've got in the room you're not actually going to get much more than you than you think you are and the better thing to do is not get too het up about whether this is perfect someone says i can't remember who said it
1: that the um perfect is the
0: enemy of the good
1: um Yeah, I I was going to say, it's probably attributed to a bunch of people. So we'll go for Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. I was going to say Drucker. It's always Drucker, isn't it? I was going to say,
0: yeah, who else? Or Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, I'm probably Socrates or something. No, no, it wasn't. But someone said that the perfect is the enemy of the good. And in reality, what I find is that, and when I have helped churches, is when they're thinking of ideas and they've got this. Brilliant idea in place. The better thing to do is to get what they've got and just work with it, and just keep. it. you're stealing
1: my second one now, Chris. You're stealing my second one. Well,
0: that's maybe this is well. We'll go into that one in in a second. But the but this is how you how you get through the wall, and this isn't my the idea wall. There's always you're always going to come up against a wall whenever you're trying to think of something that's valuable, and if you're trying to, we're trying to do
1: new things, aren't we? We're trying to do new things, and. It's like, I mean, we talk about the, so, you know, the, the analogy is often, you know, when people are running races, especially like long distance up to marathons and things, we say there's a point where you hit the wall yes. and it's just like treacle and where are you going and what are you doing? And, uh, I've never run far enough to really hit the wall. Embarrassingly, I think I hit the wall running a mile when I first started <laughs> running. Um, I am much better now. Uh, but it, you know, I haven't really, I haven't really done that, but I think there is a there is a thing it that, that it, it is parallel. If you are if you are trying, you know, we say about push-through and breakthrough and what's coming and the next and getting no, that's that is the define defining the wall. That is the thing we've got to move past. The other thing is we need to acknowledge that a lot of the churches that w- that we are encountering at this point in time um, have maybe are maybe stuck because they haven't done this regularly or in their past for a very long time so also that getting up to this point is taking maybe more energy than if you have just a bit more of the, the culture of doing it or it's more regular in how you approach things so the other thing that i'd say is is that once you've done this once doing it a second time is that it, you 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 recognize it acknowledge it and it's easier to move and transition um and And you're aware you're aware more of when you get there, but, like I said, we were working with a group the other night and and it was hard to recognize that that's where they were because they they haven't been in that position very often, yeah, to understand it yeah. um, but you know this is sort of um you know to, you know not to give away the ending, twelve hours later. The email from that team just lit up. Yeah. Yeah. Where they all of a sudden went bang and it, it just broke through. And all of a sudden there was an ease with everything. Yeah, they, suddenly, they, they broke
0: through the wall, didn't they? On, on email. And that was really, that was really, really good. There's, there's one other thing I just want to add on the idea wall which is there are things you can do at the front end to help you have better ideas, because that's actually the big thing. If you have better ideas to begin with and you can upgrade your idea input. And uh, the book I'd recommend on this one is uh, Todd Henry's uh, Accidental Creative. It's a really really great book. Great book. And uh, what he talks about is is the whole thing about being brilliant at at a moment's notice at some point, you've got to have an idea and it's got to come to mind and you've got to have it there. And he talks about having like an idea bucket. You have a bucket of ideas and whenever you've got to be bring something to the fore and you've got to think of ideas, you go into your idea bucket. And what that means is you've got to fill your bucket up with ideas, which is about uh, recognising and reading widely and consuming culture. Because actually ideas, they don't just come out of nowhere. They're always am- an amalgamation of different things. And when we create ideas, what we're doing is our brain is trying to put different things together to create a new element. So you're, you're always still working with the, the core different, you know, you're working with sort of core elements, and you're putting them together to create an idea. And so, what you need to do is you need to read widely, you need to, you know, view widely. You need to, you need to have a, a strong grasp on what's happening in different places, in different fields of study, different, you know. So the idea is you've just got to be engaged, interested, curious in the world, and and you need to find a way that you can capture them. Either you know you, you literally write down your ideas, or if you've got sort of a good memory, you can just you know keep them inside you, and at some point it just comes to the fore. And so if you're, if you're consuming culture in a, you know, in a positive sense, then when you need to have those ideas, suddenly you go, your mind starts to grab ideas from different places. Now, interestingly, what happens when you start an idea, you start a kind of what we class as an ideation session, which is a very sort of corporate language, but when you basically, you take time and you are just going to think of ideas and we're just going to keep writing them down and, um, and you just keep writing down the ideas to begin with you go to all the 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 easy ones your your brain just goes the, the, the nice easy ones um yeah. I, I have a um a friend of mine and i i, I won't say his name it's nathan um, but he um w- whenever we're thinking of a new series title at our church uh let's say so um let's say it's going to be our a christmas series uh he the, his first thing is he also say let's just call it christmas <laughs> and I, I, what i say to him is right we could just do that but what we will do i'm i'm saying this because i'm uh i'm i'm going to i'm seeing him in his his garden later so i will let him know about this and hopefully he'll listen to the podcast um and um but w- what um what he does is he'll say the obvious thing to begin with because that's what we all do we all say the really obvious thing yeah. But as you go on those neural pathways that you've created, you start to put more and more interesting things together. And that's where some really fascinating ideas come out. So if you want to fill your bucket, you need to read widely and then you need to have enough. You need to give yourself enough time and you can do it in five minutes. It's just, it's more about getting this. It's about getting the number of ideas out. The more ideas that you write, and you, so that's where it's about yep. quantity. You get the quantity of ideas out, and it actually
1: starts to create better ideas. And, and, and you, you sh- say things, as those ideas are coming, you say things like, yes, and yes, yes. expand on it. And you don't say yes, but. Um, yeah. But also, um, if you're going to do that, there are different personalities on your team and I'm going to introduce like one caveat I've got to landing things like that in a moment is some people need time to process. Some people are more introvert, some are more extrovert. And however we you know want to acknowledge whether those things are kind of, you know, where, where they sit. Look, set it up that people know to prepare their bucket because some people need time to come yeah. and be prepared and have done some of that pre-work um so that yeah that then your your session is 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 better so do set it up right to acknowledge that you've got people who process differently on your team if you are working with your creative bunch and they are all on the extrovert scale and you know nightmares as we might call them <laughs> um, and you need to herd those cats with a fork uphill um no, let's let you know that you've got a very different setup to what you're about to do with your ide- ideation. So, but just just be mindful of who's in who's in who's the uh, who who are coming up with those ideas, um, and um, make sure that everybody gets voice into it. So you're you're always building and doing the yes and. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like we're in couples therapy now, Chris. That I'm 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 really I'm really taking ownership of cutting across you the other night with yeah. but. <laughs>
0: oh that's right well why don't we go on to your second one your your second trap so we've had the accountability trap that we had the idea wall so lee what is your second
1: trap basically it's the perfectionism trap the idea that you want it to be right before you even be you know you want it to be right from the outset it's like i don't think we work there i just don't think i think that can stop us doing what we want to do Um, I think you've touched on it already you get better by doing yeah you know you get further by doing so let's let's go and not think it has to be right once and done no this is we are committing to a process and you know in 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 more corporate sectors and public sector and stuff like that this would be called continuous improvement and and it's that idea that As we go, we will uncover better ways of doing X by doing it and helping others do it. Not, there is only one way to get this done and we will manage our way to that process and then do it. Um, So, yeah, avoiding the perfectionism trap is to accept that we we will go and we will do that. Cycling through and improve as we go to hone it and develop it and perfect it as we go, rather than trying to get it right because you just open yourself up to failing um, and not doing well or never executing. And I think you know this ties back to what what you what you were just saying about the idea wall about where you you block each other and things don't happen and you want to get it right. Yeah, you've got to you've got to get some bad things out to get to the right thing and even that right thing. So we, we, we've also done some work with helping people express mission statements and things. And it's like, yeah, that's good. And where do we go next with that? And it's like, no, we're saying the right thing, but now we need to tweak how we say it. Is it grammatically correct? Do we need a copywriter? Do we want to put some of the things around it? How do we expand? How do we land it? But you know what? If you're gossiping it and it's day one, you've got something. Um, yeah. but how you improve it and take it forward and and you know it will probably be done at some point but other things change to the circumstance change to their environment change to their input like but just get going don't get stuck on trying to perfect it before you even start well there's there's two things that come to mind
0: when you say this because i completely agree and I, I said it earlier about how the uh perfect is the enemy of, of the good and it's um firstly i'm so i'm I, I'm a musician, not by trade, but by long time, and a, a worship leader, a songwriter as well, and um, and that means that I've had to start. You know, you you have to make music. That's part of it. I remember um, hearing this story about a, a man who was um, he he was he made a, a a track, an album that he was making. And he decided that he wanted to keep, he was mixing it. And so he, but it wasn't quite right. So he carried on mixing it. 13 years later, it was still unreleased because he was still mixing it because it was still wasn't right. It still wasn't perfect. And, I, the, the, and it links to the second thing, which is a, a Steve Jobs quote. and I'm trying to remember it. It's, it he, he said, and I have to say it very carefully. He said, I think it's innovators or entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship with a P ship they 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 uh they they get it out they they ship their pro their product it's no good tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and just going no we're not ready until we feel like it's perfect until it until 100 of our church and the populace are happy with this we won't go with it it's never going to happen you'll be there 13 years later tweaking and tweaking and tweaking the the better thing to do is to get it done, and um, and I think the um, I think for me, I mean we, we call our we call thinking church thinking church, but that, what that doesn't mean is that we are we're not anti action. In fact, we are very much pro action and getting things done. What we're yeah. we're interested in how we think about things, but we all, it's always got to lead to action, and I think the perfectionism will always stop you from from action because if it's just not quite right not quite right and and that's where it's you know you've got to allow yourself that time to be able to think through something but then to not actually just you can't just go right we're gonna we're gonna wait and wait and wait until it's perfect it's never going to be perfect perfect is is a state that doesn't really exist and you're and that means that you're there's always going to be a worry that's what happens if someone takes it this way what happens if someone thinks that about this idea you know what about this person what about that person there's always going to be that scenario but you've just got to get it done and in reality the more what i see is that when you get started with it is actually a lot better than you think it is and so you know whether it's a mission statement whether it's a a discipleship pathway a leadership pipeline a um whatever strategy a financial strategy you know the you've got to once you get started people are way better at getting on board with that idea even in its imperfect state than waiting for perfection Uh, and so yeah I I 100% agree it's a it's a massive trap that that churches can get stuck in get stuck in and it will stop them from achieving what they they need to achieve
1: No, hundred percent. So, Chris, what's your what's your second wall? Okay, my second wall is what I'm classing as
0: the the philosophical wall, and what I mean by that is the churches I see get stuck in uh, they understanding the The premise of something needing to be changed is where they can get stuck. Now that could be that they resist change. Sometimes it's they want to have something to change, but when they when it comes to what that means, they struggle with the philosophy of of something of an idea. So whether that's a philosophy of how multi site works. Or the philosophy of how a discipleship pathway works, um, or the philosophy of how you know any concept works, that I find churches get stuck and it becomes this another wall because they end up going around the houses about what does this mean? What do we mean by that word, stuck on semantics, what do we mean by mission, what do we mean by vision? And it gets stuck in this ph- philosophical trap of we just start, and a lot of the time it is it's probably semantics and secondly it's a a recognition that they what they've known the world the church world that they've known is not actually sometimes the best way i'm not suggesting there is one best way that's not what i'm trying to say at all um but there are there are good practices out there and oftentimes they are the other side of your philosophical
1: barrier is that yeah and is that sometimes um actually you're touching on to my third one a little bit I think with that I think how these how these interweave but that we it's also thinking there's a right way yeah which is touching on the perfectionism but also um fear of doing something different yeah not sticking your head above the parapet as it were um so, yeah, trying to put a whole bunch of those things together. It's, well, rather philosophical, is what it is.
0: Yeah, I just, I think that, uh, I think that you need to have a discussion about it, but that that discussion has got to come to a, a conclusion. And I think sometimes, I mean, the, the, a thing that has been said of me plenty of times in the past is that this is great theory, Chris. Uh, and And it's said of a lot of people that, you know, maybe they write books or, uh, and you know they work in academic institutes. That you know this is great theory, but where's the experience on it? And I kind of I get the I get it because you want to see has it worked in the real world. But anything that's new hasn't worked in the real world. That's why it's new, because it yeah. hasn't worked yet. So you know, man did not get to the moon by experience. It got to the moon by theory, because the theory. You know they they tried different things. So there was an element of Trying and experimenting, but you know the how gravity works in space. They had to do the theory first before they went up to space to know how it worked. They didn't go up and then observe how it worked, and then they they already had an idea about how it would work based upon sound mathematical theory. And I think that that that's a that's the philosophical thing of saying this this is this this new thing we're not sure because it's only theory and that's the philosophical gap as well and sometimes you, you just sometimes the new way is always going to be the untried way and if you want to try something new you've got to embrace you've got to embrace the theory really because a lot of these things are worked through and a lot of the time actually what you find is that theory is actually the workings of <coughs> lots of other people's experience com- combined together to create a hypothesis and so, but, um, but the thing is, because for you, it's not experience, it's still in the theory realm, but actually a lot of this thing had a lot of concepts and ideas have a lot more weight behind them than we think. And so it's, uh, I think that's a, a philosophy trap is that we get stuck in thinking the difference between, yeah, theory and practice as well. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Cool. Let's go on to your Um, second one. So uh, your second trap. So we've had the accountability trap. No, my third. Are you on the third? I am. Accountability trap. We've had the idea wall. Then we had the perfectionism trap. Then we had the philosophical wall. Now your third. Yes, indeed, your third. What is the third
1: trap? We're rattling through, Chris, is what we're doing. Indeed. Um, uh, It's a good job we don't try to be uh, perfectionists ourselves before we uh, move on with these things. This will not be edited. (laughs) No. Um, is I, I've, I've just called this the being unique trap. Um, yeah. And you know what? It touches on, as often these do's, intermingles with a bunch of the others we've already spoken about. This is, you have an idea, you're going to execute, but because you haven't seen anybody else do it and you've got, and nobody else is doing it, you don't want to proceed with it because you don't want to stick out so it might be an excellent idea it might have everything and you know it's right but you see no one else doing it, it it's new and actually maybe you then get into that you know the philosophical thing it's like well why are we trying to do something that nobody else is doing um, if we do this and it looks all good and we launch it and it doesn't work what will people say um so you know all of these things start going on and you get you you get you you get Trapped with inaction because you don't want to go ahead and stick your head up. Yeah. It's, that, it's really, that, that's basically it. Yeah. And, really, and you know what? Yeah. I see this more in smaller churches than I do in big churches. That's interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think so. Larger churches are the ones already being looked to. So more people try to imitate on some of those things. and um, because, But also, larger churches, if they decide to do something, there's just a bit more momentum in decision-making. So smaller churches somehow deem that the risk is higher, whereas actually I would argue that if you were a small church, the risk is far lower um, because you can innovate and change and you know move and course-correct as much as you want, no issues at all from my point of view with that, but what they do is is that they, they, they think, oh, you know, that bigger church that is successful isn't doing what we you know, isn't doing this thing that we've thought of. Therefore, our idea is probably not a good idea. No, in your right. context, it might be exactly the right idea and exactly the thing for you to do because you are small, you are innovative, you have something unique that allows you to turn in a moment and course correct as required. Go for it. Don't be afraid to be unique and actually own who you are and what you are there for. Um, and I, I I, think this happens a lot. Individuals, people trying to do projects, trying to do something. I think there's often a point of going, you know, do, do you want to do something like everybody else is doing or are you trying to do something new and you get stuck? And I just turned to that, you know, the being unique trap Where actually, if we stand out and it's only us doing it, should we be doing it? Um, You know, it's a great, maybe it's a great challenge, but actually, if you genuinely have got to that conclusion, go for it. Don't, Don't then do that because then it becomes philosophical. Then it goes back down to your idea wall. And then before you know it, you've got no accountability for delivery and you've just fallen off the bottom of the scale and you've done nothing. Actually, it becomes it becomes um, uh, an inaction, um, and you yeah, you, you don't move anywhere. It's probably all of these tied together in a sense, but yeah, that's what I'm saying is, if you've got something, dare go boldly.
0: Yes, I, boldly so I don't. Def- you definitely see this in the I think the the church service is the classic example. I think with this, because I think most churches are, are afraid to do something unique, but probably sense that they need to do something unique as well. And I think within their church service there I mean, when you know this weekend gatherings, whatever you want to call them, that there are some people that they want to do something different, but the the worry that moving away from four songs and a 20 minute talk or a half an hour talk is going to be this is that's what people expect. There, I think there's uniqueness on the other side of that, but you've got to give it a, you've got to step out and give it a go, and and be a little bit more agile with things to see what's going to work. And actually, I, I what I'd like to, what I'd love to see, especially for smaller churches and newer churches, is to have a lot more experimentation. to to just experiment and and to say well we gave this a go for a month i think actually this is probably what what you're saying about bigger churches i noticed this with bigger churches that they'll that the large churches feel that that need maybe it's because the size it doesn't feel quite so mission critical in terms of you know it you know the 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 size means that you know there's not that worry that things could fold quickly and everyone could leave or something like that you know um so you can you can give something a try but i think that that smaller churches and newer churches can be bolder especially with their expression of worship and things like that to to actually think okay let's just let's just what you know start with a clean slate and think okay if we were to do this and there was no tradition on it that you know that you had to do i don't i don't know where the you had to do four songs and you had to do a half an hour preach thing came from because I'm sure they you know the early church weren't actually doing that but for some reason we've got to where we are but I think there's there's this innovation that needs to happen and I think that yeah you're worried that you're going to look unique and you're going to try something and it's not going to work but actually you know you can put time scales on that and you can say okay we're going to see and um, and actually the 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 thing of like trying something and if it doesn't work the learning from that so that then you can what would be classed as pivot um, because that, and the, the, you can learn. I mean, the pivot is becoming sort of a horrible management word, um, which is overused, but it's the trying something, failing at it, and then trying something different, essentially.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and rarely ever an actual pivot. It's hardly like you go from being a church to being a school. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, <laughs> yeah. That's a pivot, yeah. using all your entire resources to do something entirely different. Most people are just course correcting. Yes. It's, yeah. You know, we did this, it didn't quite hit the mark. But also, I think, you know, you've got that, you, you just can't get too precious um, about those things. It's continuous improvement. Um, you know, that is, that is one that I do like that comes over from more uh, different, different spheres of, of, of working and delivery is the idea that this can improve and get better over time and that yep. week one might not, you know, week one might have the momentum and the, the the push behind it that makes everybody go, yay, we did it. But then you come to review it, you like, go, yeah, it wasn't as shiny as we perhaps first thought. What do we do different next week? Is that often when people put so much time, attention, resource, and everything into it, they're like, I've now not got the energy to make those tweaks. It wasn't right. We didn't perfect it. Yeah. And you stopped too early. Um, I normally say to people, like, if you're you know if and to the project and you want to do it once, you have to commit to do it at least twice and not make your decision until the third time. Yeah. And then, because yeah. the first one, you're all on a bit of a high. The second one is when you see it and you probably be a bit more objective. And then if you want to make some updates or amends into the third one, and then just get that rhythm. Once people see that you listen to the feedback and work it all out and then take that forward and build it into improving it as time goes by, like what you've got in a year's time might not look anything like what you started with. True.
0: I think that's absolutely true. And I I think that I can understand from a pastoral sense, you know, trying something and failing, like maybe that's something that churches that we need to get better at is being le- able to learn how to fail. You know, there's the, the phrase fail forward is always a, again, it's a well-used um, phrase and, but we don't do it very well in terms of saying we tried that didn't work. That's okay. yeah, And um, because what we do is we kind of put emotional energy into that and it feels like, it feels like a defeat. And uh, if we can make it feel less like a defeat and more like a learning, so that it's just, Hey, we tried this. Yeah, That one didn't work. So we're going to try something else. It's no problem. That is,
1: yeah. You know, it, it, Absolutely. I think the thing is, where else do we do anything that is that static? Really? Yeah. Like we think that other things are probably more permanent than they are, but, but they're not, then they're, they're not. And I, th- I think it's, Off the back of having to make almost instant changes due to lockdowns, COVID measures, and all these other bits and pieces, there's some some ways of operating have come out of that that we don't want to lose and build them into how you go forward. And now we're looking at hybrid and we're doing... But don't start... Now's not the time to start looking to see who goes first and what else is happening down the road and are you in good company keep making decisions for yourselves that work with your community. That's what it's about.
0: Great. Let's go on to our final one, which is my final wall. And do you know what? This is the, almost the exact opposite of what you've said, but I, I think there's a differentiation. I'm going to call this the, the rules don't apply wall. I think that some churches get stuck into thinking So whilst some churches, I think churches don't want to be unique, at the same time, they also think that they're so unique that good practice does not apply to them. So and I think that there's a subtle difference and I want to like we need to kind of find that nuance between what I'm saying is when I say that the rules don't apply, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be unique. In fact, I think the uniqueness is a good thing, and I think that adherence to some, some good practice will actually make you more unique. But there's some good practice that exists around, and churches often think, well, that doesn't apply to, to me in my context because we couldn't say that, or we couldn't do that, we couldn't operate like that because I ju- we just know that won't work. Mostly, I think that's built on a faulty assumption it's the assumption that's normally on anecdotal evidence rather than hard and fast evidence. Um, I think that it's, it's a sense that, um, that the, the, some good practice that exists is um, I think that it, it, I think it more comes down to the fear of actually adhering to something and a fear of actually adopting something um, because you think that we're so unique. We can't do that. Um, And, and, and the reality is that they, so um, I strongly believe that all churches are unique, but I think that they operate less uniquely than they should. And, and because of that, and and they do it because they're not applying great principles in place to what they're doing. They think that the rules don't
1: apply to them. What do you think? I, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the, the rules don't apply to us that kind of sometimes nonchalance is that is that the right way to term it yeah it it all builds doesn't it that's that's the thing is it only takes that to seep in and then that's a pattern of thinking yeah and i think that's the thing is it starts off small and before you know it's systemic so that's the bit to watch for is once that pervades you you set yourselves apart for the wrong reasons um actually and does it touch on the but then this builds on the asking around for the principles of how people do things not what they did yeah um so and that's the hum- i think that you know that that's some of its humility it's not becoming ego driven if a church down the road has done something it's not now that you copy what they've done but it's how you copy their process of how they got there and yeah. i think there's it's building some of that into it is is maybe how you can how you can avoid it um but oh man we're just not in competition with people yeah 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 i think that's the other thing it it you know what i mean it's like yeah you know oh you know we do this and we're better than somewhere that's not what it's about is it it's it's um yeah it's laying all of those things down
0: yeah i think that just this kind of rules don't apply is just a kind of a thing that allows fuzzy thinking to come in because because it's not an assertion of something that you of of why you don't do it and you do this instead it's usually a a rejection it's, it probably links back to a philosophical wall it's it's normally a rejection of we can't do this thing new because because we're so you know we're so unique it would never work in our context but that's not an assertion of something that but instead we do this and this works that that usually never happens what it does is it just allows you to stay where you are in a fuzzy thinking and that's that fuzzy thinking stops you from going where you want to go reach you know go bridging that gap between where your church is and where your church could be it's those things of like we're just so unique it would never apply but what's the assertion then if that is the case and if that is true then tell me what what the rule is tell me your rule and why that rule is important and why it's different that's fine if you can give me the rule but there's still there will still be rules that apply. You still need to work towards principles. And I think that's the thing that I often just don't see that. I think that I see a lot of churches saying that will never apply to us. We can't do that. But there's
1: no new assertion. Mm. No, absolutely. That's a, a sound set of traps and walls.
0: That's absolutely. And, and I guess obstacles are a series of traps and and walls, aren't they? You know, if you're going on an obstacle course, then you normally have to climb a wall, you've got to avoid a trap. And um I think that all of these things are really important because they they do come down to the the thinking of things and and the thinking of things leads to the action of things. and and I'm really passionate about churches going from where they their church is to where they know their church could be or should be and and that gap is the thing that uh it needs bridging and a lot of the time it's something inside you as a leader or a leadership team that needs to change it's a uh a it's a humility thing i think there's there's a part of that uh there's a, a an openness to change an urgency for change because i think when you have that urgency for change it will these things you'll start to embrace the um you'll embrace the imperfection to be able to reach the goal where you're going because you just you've got to get there because the, the 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 weight of staying where you are is you know the the pain of staying where you are I should say is too great to not try something even if it's you've got to go for the imperfect to be able to move away from where you are and I think maybe that's the what it all comes down to is that if if church leaders can have us always have a sense of urgency that where we are now we if we are, if we become comfortable with it it will become it will become so detrimental to us so that means it has to force us to embrace new philosophical ideas it has to help us embrace um you know accountability and thinking about um you know the different sides of it so that we can have a really robust idea and and move forward we've got to have all those things in
1: place but it's got to start with an urgency absolutely absolutely and by no means an exhaustive list but probably just some of the most common ones we've seen with the size churches that we predominantly work with yeah. and and, and the, experience over this last year particularly working and talking and being with different churches
0: yeah and if you have if in, if you're listening to this and you have any uh any obstacles that you've seen anything that you're facing drop us an email podcast at thinking.church and we'd love to be able to to read that out and uh so do let us know uh, and we, yeah i think that every church has some different obstacles and it'd be great to to hear uh what your obstacle is absolutely thank great. you very much chris well no thank you lee and as always um we'll be back next week for another uh podcast and uh i'll see you then See you then. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, Just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We will see you soon. Bye for now.